I, I could be wrong about that. <laughs> That's all right. We're, this is what episode notes are for. I can fact check both of us. Don't feel like you'll be singled out. <laughs> I'm Ben McKenzie, and not Elizabeth Flux. Welcome to Pratchett, the monthly Terry Pratchett book club podcast. Each month, we discuss one of Terry Pratchett's books or short stories with a special guest. This month, we'll be reading Strata, but the episode has been delayed, so I'm laying down a bonus episode on my own. This is why I leave the puns to Liz. I'm not quite on my own, though. I will have a guest, but more about that in a bit. Hi, listener. Uh, We're a bit off the map this month, so in a reference to Pratchett's version of hyperspace from Strata, I'm calling this episode Pratchett Elsewhere, because it's really a bridge to get us from one point to another. Given how late we had to change plans, I wasn't able to put together a regular bonus episode, so this is a little bit of this and a little bit of that, including a special chat with Danny Sag from Nullis Anxietis, the Australian Discworld Convention. But I thought I might just have a bit of a chat, briefly, because we don't often get time for that, do we, you and me? Usually there's Liz and a guest and we've got a book to talk about and there's always so much to say about a whole book that it feels quite hectic. Or at least it does to me since it's my job to make sure you can follow what we're talking about even if you haven't read the book in question. And then we try to get through all your questions and everything and, well, it's a lot. So it's nice to have a little breather even if it's technically more work for me because it's a whole extra episode. But you're worth it, you know? Um, Of course, now I have to think about what to talk about. I mean, why don't we talk about some Pratchett news? We never do that, do we? Mostly because we try not to make episodes that will feel horribly out of date when someone listens to them in five years' time when they finally discover that these podcasts exist. But, you know, why not? Why not? We could do it just this once. And there's so much news about at the moment. And, of course, not all of you are going to be very online, like me and Liz and a lot of the people that we know. So maybe you don't even know some of this news. And it's nice to get everyone on the same page, isn't it? So let's start with a little recap of what's happening in the world of Pratchett. But where do we even start? Uh, Well, the last of the new audiobooks are coming out very soon on the 15th of June, 2023. That's the Tiffany Aching books, which will be read by Indira Varma, who also read the Witches books. So that's exciting. I don't know if you've listened to any of them, but that means that they've done nearly all. They didn't do quite all of them. Um, There's no new audiobook of The Last Hero, I don't think. Uh, I think they did do Eric. There's no new print edition. Anyway, they did most of the books, all 40 Discworld books, as they put it in the media release way back at the start of 50 Years of Terry, which was uh, the event where they announced this was going to happen. So that is exciting. And for someone who loves audio, though, uh, I've always found it a bit hard to get into audiobooks. I think I might have talked about this on the podcast before. It's mostly because I tend to read out loud inside my head when I'm reading a little bit. You know, I'm narrating the book to myself inside my mind, uh, and I do read out loud 
on occasion. Like it's nice to keep a, an eye in. And I'm, I'm hoping to get into audiobook narration as a, as a gig. It's not necessarily easy or quick thing to get into. So I already am thinking about that kind of thing when I'm reading a book. So listening to an audiobook, it's a little weird because of course the way I would read the book is not quite the same as the way that the narrator is reading the book. So even though I've quite liked some of the narrators, some of them I've, I've also just gone, Oh, I wouldn't have read it like that. Um, I will say, I really like Indira Varma, actually, so I'm really looking forward to the Tiffany ones. But I also really like Jason Isaacs, who did uh, Moving Pictures, which was the last sort of standalone book, not part of a series that they released just before they released the uh, the Watch books on the 25th of May. So, yeah, that's quite exciting. No doubt we'll talk about the audiobooks on the show properly at some point. Is that something you'd like us to do? Why don't you let me know? Now, what else? What else is news? Um, oh, yeah. Well, the second season of the television version of Good Omens which they've cunningly titled Good Omens 2, uh, is coming to Amazon Prime on the 23rd of July. If you didn't know about this, it's a a co-production between Amazon Prime and BBC. So it goes on Amazon Prime first. And that's that's pretty exciting. That's not very far away at all. We haven't talked about it much on the show. Um, We we cover the book way back in, like, must have been 2019, I think, uh, in order to make sure we talked about it before the the TV show came out. Um, But we never really talked about the TV show. And I I have to confess, I do have conflicting feelings about it. I really like some things about it. And I I was a bit disappointed by some other things about it. Um, And eventually, I'm sure we'll talk about that. We've we've talked about plans for talking about all the TV adaptations and stuff. But uh, I am quite excited about this season because it is based on ideas that Neil had discussed with Terry about a sequel to the book that they never ended up writing. And they, he seeded some of those ideas into that first season. So they're already kind of there cooking away. And now it's going to go somewhere else. And I don't know where it's going to go. And that is supremely exciting. How often do you get a sequel to one of your favorite stories, you know, 30 years after the fact? I mean, as I say that out loud, um, that's like 90% of Hollywood at the moment. So uh, <laughs> I guess it's not as rare as I might have made that sound. But I am I'm quite excited. I'm really excited to see where it goes. In in the last week, they've also, as well as previously announcing the release date, they've released the new title sequence, which is, if you haven't seen the show, um, which if you you don't live in the UK, you might not have. You have to have Amazon Prime. Um, But if you haven't seen it, it's like a little animation of Crowley and Aziraphale walking through various landscapes and scenarios that are from the book, or at least the first season one was. Um, This season, it's different. The music is slightly different. It's the same theme song, but it's a different arrangement. I think I like it a lot. And they're going through different areas and different stuff is happening in the background. And of course, uh, the Good Omens fans online who are, who are delightfully bonkers. I love them. They're so, they love it. You know, you know, when you see a fandom who just goes hard and they're like, we love this so much. We're going to squeeze it so hard. It's like uh, my partner talks about this cute aggression. <laughs> That's what they want to do to Good Omens. They just want to squeeze that show until it nearly pops. That's how much they love it. Anyway, um, those fans online, bless them, have already, of course, gone into huge amounts of detail examining not just the new intro sequence, but there was a poster with the release date that they've looked at all the details of, looking for clues about what's going to happen in the new season. It's amazing. So if you want to find out more, get in there, have a look, find it online. You you can find out all kinds of hints and clues. None of it are proven or conclusive, of course. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun to find out <laughs> what exactly is going to happen. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it's going to be great. And of course, just as I was about to press publish, I saw the news that there's a trailer for Good Omens 2 dropping the same day as this episode. So keep an eye out for that. You'll get even more clues about what might be coming up for Crowley and Aziraphale. 
But if that is not enough, not only is there new Good Omens TV, there's also two new Pratchett books coming out towards the end of the year in October. Well, I mean, one of them, no, that's actually, no, I was going to say one of them is not a Pratchett book, but that's not accurate. They are both Pratchett books. That is 100% accurate. And they're both being published in October. Uh, so the first one was actually announced way back in February. So I'm sure we mentioned it on the podcast sometime between then and now. Uh, it's called A Stroke of the Pen. So it's going along with A Slip of the Keyboard and A Blink of the Screen. And it is a new collection of Pratchett short stories published in newspapers under various pseudonyms and not previously collected or published under his actual name. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, it's not entirely clear. This is one thing I've been trying to figure out, but it's not entirely clear who the stories were written for, like newspapers, obviously. That's who was paying for them. But it's not clear whether they're children's stories or adult stories. I have a feeling from some of the things that have been said that maybe it's a mix of both. But it has been made pretty clear by Rob Wilkins that this will absolutely be the last new Terry Pratchett material that will be published because everything else is either lost or not finished. And uh, he was quite adamant that none of his unfinished work would be published, which is why his hard drive was famously crushed under a steamroller. He didn't do things by halves, old Pratchett. No, he did not. Um, anyway, so this is going to be a big deal, this book. I'm very excited uh, I've read most of his short stories. Now, there's a few that I haven't read yet. And there's some, a lot of the kids ones I haven't read. I, I've probably only read about half of those. But the ones I have read, they're great fun. So this is Pratchett writing about a decade after that. I think these are from the 70s and 80s, if I remember rightly. Um, although we don't have a lot of detail about it yet, uh, apart from the name and the general gist of it. So um, I think it'll be an interesting part of his literary journey some later short stories, but from around the time that he published Strata, actually. So, yeah, and I, well, I don't want to tip my hat about Strata. That'll be the next episode, but I do think it'll be really interesting and I'm looking forward to those. So that's going to be fun. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely include at least some of them. Um, we don't intend to do all of his short stories because some of them are very short and some of them probably wouldn't have much to say about, but there are some significant ones that are interesting and there's lots to say about them. And I'm sure there'll be at least a few of those in the new book. So we will cover it in one way or another. And we'll probably talk about the rest of the stories in some form at some point. By the way, if there's a short story that you really want us to talk about, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll put it on the list. Uh, but that's only one of the books coming out in October. The other one has just been announced in the last month. Big, big news dropped via social media and media release. Rihanna Pratchett has teamed up with another author, children's author and fellow games writer, Gabrielle Kent, uh, as well as Paul Kibbe, current official Discworld illustrator, to write and illustrate a book called, drumroll, Tiffany Aching's Guide to Being a Witch. I was, uh, I couldn't believe it. I did not know. I had no inkling this was coming. I mean, why would I? I don't <laughs> don't have any contacts inside Narrativia or the Pratchett estate. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Why would they tell me? But yeah, so I found out when everyone else did. And it, what, how exciting, how exciting is this? Interestingly, this will be Rihanna's first published Discworld work, but not the first thing she's written for or about Discworld because she has actually written about Tiffany before. She wrote a, a whole screenplay for a feature film version of The We Free Men, which uh, I'm pretty sure was the one that was going to be made by the Henson Company. It was announced in about 2016, I think it was. And she finished the screenplay and showed it to Terry before he died. I think she said somewhere that she presented it to him 
on his birthday. So I guess that would have been like 2014 or something. But anyway, um, so she wrote a whole screenplay based on the We Free Men. So she's, you know, written about Tiffany before as well, not just for the Discworld. But of course, that never got published. It's not been produced. As far as we know, that project is dead and not coming back, which is a real shame because I would have loved to see some figures done by the uh, Jim Henson Creature Workshop. Who knows? Maybe we'll come back. I don't think so. But this, this will be her first published Discworld fiction. Um, and it is a fiction book. It's not a traditional fiction book. It's not a story. It is an in-universe artifact. And if you've listened to me talk about that on the podcast before, I love a good in-universe artifact. So it's along the sort of lines of Nanny Og's cookbook or the Discworld almanac, uh, stuff like that. It's written from Tiffany's perspective, according to the blurb or, or what I think is the blurb that's been released in the media release. Uh, so it's like her notes about how to be a good witch, but also it's got commentary by other witches, wisdom passed down from Granny Aching. There's even some notes from Rob Anybody. And it's being released this year because it is also a celebration of 20 years of Tiffany Aching, which is kind of cool. Did have me wondering when that was first announced or mentioned, is Tiffany going to be 20 in the book? Is this going to be like older Tiffany? But, you know, they have also now revealed the cover, which is beautiful, but that kind of makes me think, no, that's not the case, because she doesn't, doesn't look that old. She looks about the age that she is in uh, I Shall Wear Midnight, actually. And on the cover, she's sort of in the front, which is nice, and then she's flanked by Granny and Nanny, but also by Mrs. Proust and by Miss Treason, which is interesting, because by the time we meet Mrs. Proust in I Shall Wear Midnight... Miss Treason has already died in Wintersmith. So uh, I guess that means we don't really know when it's set. Maybe it's her thoughts scribbled down over quite a long time. So that's something to bear in mind. It may have spoilers for The Shepherd's Crown in it. Who knows? But it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. But actually, one of my favorite things to come out of this is Gabrielle Kent. She, I know I hadn't, I'll confess, I hadn't heard of her. I, I have, you know, I sort of do keep an eye on what's happening in children's fiction because I work with children in creative writing. Um, but I don't read a lot of, of children's fiction. I like to hear about them and hear what kids think about them, but I don't read a lot of it. So I hadn't actually come across her work before. And I get the feeling maybe her books are not huge outside of the UK. I think they've done the best over there. Um, but they sound great. Like she's written two trilogies. One is about, uh, a young kid who inherits a magic castle and all of its problems. And there's three books about that. And that sounds kind of cool. There's also uh, this book called a series of books called Knights and Bikes, which are based on a video game called Knights and Bikes, which I hadn't heard of either, which looks super cute. I'm going to play it for sure. I don't think she worked on the game, although she has worked in a lot of video games, but she did write the spin-off book series. And there's going to be an animated TV show based on that game and the books as well, which I think she is involved in. Um, and she's also writing, she's got a new series actually about a young reporter named Rani, which she's writing with her husband, which I also thought was awesome. So this is cool. She's got lots of stuff going on. But the thing that I really like about this is not only have I found out about her and her work, but she's a massive Discworld nerd. She loves it. And she seems genuinely bowled over by everybody going, this is so great. Um, and it's been really lovely to see her getting a lot of attention from the fans and really feeling like she's been made part of a big new family. So that's cool. Uh, she's also, she's tweeted a couple of things, giving a bit of an insight into the, <laughs> into the process of writing with Rihanna Pratchett, which just makes me think like it must be 
a ball. Like I've co-written things, but not prose things. Like I've co-written scripts, but I do love a collaborative writing process. And it sounds like they had a ball doing this. And I mean, it also sounds like if you read the media release that came out, it sounds also like this was a big deal for Rihanna, which makes sense. You know, she's really thought about what do I want to do? You know, she said she wasn't going to write any more Discworld novels, but that she might be involved with adaptations and spin-offs and some tie-ins, that sort of thing. And that's obviously what this is. You know, she wrote the introduction to the Amazing Maurice edition of The Unadulterated Cat, The Unadulterated Maurice, uh, which I don't think was otherwise different on the inside. So I haven't picked that up. Although if you've, if you've got that edition of the book and you know better, please let me know. I'd love to hear about that. But yeah, I think this is a really special moment for her where she's figured out what she wants to do to carry on that legacy, which she has been given permission to do. And, you know, she's not the first person who's not Terry to have written Discworld stuff. We know that there's been books come out that are, you know, the author line is from the Discworld Emporium. And we know that that means a bunch of people worked on it who weren't Terry, but he was still around and he had sort of final say about that. I think this is significant because it's the first Discworld book to come out that has specific authors credited and none of them are Terry Pratchett. So it's a big deal and and I can imagine that's a big thing for her and I think it's been great to see everybody being so supportive and excited and and like, yeah. So um, I'm really looking forward to it and I hope that if it's a big success, uh, maybe she writes some others. Now, you'd think that'd be all the Discworld news, but no, there's at least one more bit And it's more good omens. The original novel, obviously, has already been published. It's been published in lots of editions. There's been some very fancy editions since the TV show has made it very popular again. But it's being adapted, and I'm slightly odd this never happened before, actually, but it's being adapted as a graphic novel by Colleen Doran. Now, Colleen is an American writer and artist who's worked on several other projects with Neil Gaiman. And I've read at least one thing by her. I might have read a couple, actually. But the one that I know I've definitely read is she did a comic book adaptation of Neil Gaiman's short story, Trollbridge, which (laughs) has no relation to the Terry Pratchett short story, Trollbridge. They just both like the same pun. I don't know if they talked about it. I would love to know that. But anyway, it's it. the art in that is gorgeous. It's quite, I mean, it's a very Neil Gaiman story. Um, a Neil Gaiman adult story, I should say, if you're more familiar with his children's work, this is a, a more grown up and a sort of a nice mix of sort of fantasy and horror and personal drama. It's great. It's, it's very lovely. And the comic book adaptation is beautiful. It's great. So, um, yeah, uh, I think this is going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be funded. This is the other part of the news via a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter which is apparently because they want to do it independently and the creators can retain 100% of the rights. They don't have to give it to any other publishers. Uh, I can get behind that and I can see why it would appeal to Neil Gaiman. He's had plenty of problems with uh, ownership of characters he's created and disputes with, you know, other publishers and editors and creators before. But the Kickstarter seems to be being run by Dun Manifestin. So I assume that means they're going to publish it. If you're not familiar with them, there's a few companies associated with Pratchett. Dunn Manifestin owns the copyright on Terry Pratchett's works, and they publish these deluxe editions of some of his books. They did the Ultimate Discworld Companion, a special edition of that. They've done a special edition of uh, Guards, Guards. They did the special edition of uh, Good Omens. 
And um, I think they did a special edition of Once More with Footnotes, but I might be wrong about that. Anyway, they've done some really fancy special editions of his work, and now I think they're publishing this. And it, it kind of is a, a bit of a natural evolution. They've done pre-orders before for those big fancy special editions that were very limited in number. Now they want to do maybe a bigger print run of a comic book that lots of people are going to want because, of course, Good Omens is very popular. Uh, it makes sense to take that to a public crowdfunding campaign. Um, it will come as no surprise that it is already doing very well. It hasn't started yet, so we don't know how much money it's going to raise or what their goal is. But we do know uh, from things Colleen has tweeted that more than 5,000 people have signed up to be notified about when it does kick off. We'll put a link to that in the episode notes for this, and you, you can go and check it out if you like. But it looks like it'll be good. Uh, I do like Doran's style, and, you know, I love new interpretations of characters that I already know. This is very much based on the book. It's, a, it's going to be a very faithful, by the sound of it, adaptation of the book. It won't look like the TV show or any established versions of the characters. It's going to be new versions of the characters, her own designs, based on the descriptions in the novel. Which means, by the way, uh, amongst other things, obviously the characters will not look like Michael Sheen and David Tennant and Crowley won't have red hair and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They'll look like the ages they're described as being in the book, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, go and, uh, go and check it out. It looks like it could be fun. Whew, I think that's all the news. Wow, I didn't think there'd be so much. I hope that's interesting. Maybe there's something there you haven't heard before. I, I mean, it's, it's boggling my mind. Look, we started this podcast... Six-ish years ago, and who'd have thought when we did that, that there'd be this much Terry Pratchett new stuff happening all these years later? Not me. What a time to be making a Pratchett podcast. Oh, which actually makes me think, there are lots of Pratchett podcasts still around. I think there's about mm, 10, I think. No, maybe it's eight. There's There's somewhere around that number still actively going. There's a few that have at least gone quiet. They might come back. I don't know. I hope so. But uh, there's still quite a few of us who are still going. I just want to do uh, like a little shout out to the complete discography. They're nearly at the end. Uh, they just recently, as I'm talking to you, released their Raising Steam episode, which means they have one book left. They just got the Shepherd's Crown. Amazing. That'll be the fourth podcast to read through all of the books following uh, Radio More Pork, The Death of Podcasts, and Weird Sisters. So we'll have to shout out a, a congratulations to the Complete Discography folks when they're done. Uh, but at the other end of the scale, one of the newest ones is I've Never Read Discworld, which is uh, two lovely Irish blokes, uh, one of whom, as the title suggests, has never read Discworld before. And they're about to release their episode of Eric. So they're still relatively close to the start. Oh, and speaking of Eric... Another podcast, Desert Island Discworld, has been dormant for a while, but is coming back on the 18th of June, so 10 days after this episode comes out. And the episode that Al is releasing, is the host, is about Eric, and it is a big old Pratchett podcaster palooza in which Liz and myself, plus Joe and Francine from The Truth Show Mikey Fret, and Chaz and Janosch from Who Watches The Watch are all talking about Eric. I think because he couldn't get any uh, C-grade celebrities to talk about Eric. That sounds mean, but the reason that I say it is that I did a Doctor Who podcast and someone once famously said, oh, this is a great way to find out which C-grade Australian celebrities like Doctor Who. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. I feel like Desert Island Discworld 
has kind of got the same kind of vibe, but he has much more famous people than we ever had on Splendid Chaps. Uh, many of them very internet famous and very cool. And then us, some other podcasting chumps. Anyway, so that's coming out in about 10 days. It'll be great. And I just realized I said the words big old Pratchett podcaster palooza. Oh, Ted Lasso, what have you done to me? Destroyed me emotionally because it's over. That's what it's done to me. Anyway, whew, that's enough. That's enough of that. It's enough news. It's enough podcast chat. Let's get to our interview. It's still about a year and change away, but early bird registrations are now open for the Australian Discworld Convention, which next year in July will be held in Adelaide in South Australia. Now, this is absolutely my kind of event. I went to the last one that was held. In fact, the last four, technically, because I went to the last three online ones as well, um, or I was there in some capacity at least. And, well, look, I don't want to say too much more because I have for you a special interview with none other than the current vice chair of the convention, Danny Sag. Here is that interview. Danny Sag. Welcome, Danny. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, thank you for joining me at what was very late notice for this extra bonus episode that I've conjured out of thin air. I thought it would be great to have you on the show because we've obviously released a bonus episode or two based on stuff we've done with the convention. We've talked about them, you know, sort of as an aside, but we haven't really gone into any depth about what the Australian Discworld Convention is or talked about, you know, fan conventions and the Discworld Convention and fandom scene very much in depth. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to maybe have a chat to you about those things. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me. Before we get onto that, though, you are vice chair of a Discworld convention, so I think it's fair we can say you're quite a Pratchett fan. Indeed. How did you get into Terry Pratchett? I was, uh, I want to say, probably 12 or 13 years old back in the early 90s, and a friend of mine lent me the Colour of Magic and said, here, I think you'll like this, and he was not wrong. <laughs> I read many of the books going through that period of my teenagerhood, um, Obviously caught up to where they were published, went to a couple of signings when Terry was touring in the late 90s, and yeah, still going 30 years later. Uh, I've dipped my toe in a, bits of the fandom here and there, appeared in a number of Discworld plays over the last two and a half decades with Unseen Theatre Company, and started the fan club here in Adelaide, with help, obviously, Yes, and have um, become involved in the conventions since they started here in Australia in 2007. Yeah. And that, that they started here, was Australia the first place when there was a big Discworld convention after the original one in the UK? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think Australia, certainly um, the germ of the idea was picked up by Pat Allen, who is not really involved much anymore, but he's still around. Mm. Um, and he tried to get the convention running in the mid-2000s and what was originally supposed to be, I think, a 2005 or 2006 convention got postponed because they needed more time to get it ready and Terry was more than happy to let them do so. But I do believe Australia was the first country outside of the UK to hold a Discworld convention and we've certainly held more than any other country apart from the UK, where the International Discworld Convention has been running pretty much every two years since 1996. I think they've skipped a few. Yeah. Yeah. And there's now, um, there's a, there's an Irish one. I think now there's a North American one. Uh, there's an event that happens in, I can't remember if it's in, it's not in Germany. I think it might be in the Netherlands. Yeah, there's, 
Was there no, a, there's one in Germany one German. and one in Netherlands. Oh, that's right. There is a German one. The the um the team yes. from um, Schweitenwelt Convention, which obviously I have pronounced terribly <laughs> because I do not speak any German. <laughs> but yes, the the German and the Irish convention are quite regular. Mm. CabbageCon in the Netherlands is a, a lot smaller. I think it's less than a hundred people and. They've still been fairly regular. The North American conventions have been large, but there hasn't been very many of them, and they've sort of stopped right now. Nobody's taken up the mantle to try and organize a new one since 2015, 2016, I think. Yeah. Was the- I, I could be wrong about that. <laughs> That's all right. We're, this is what episode notes are for. I can fact check both of us. Don't feel like you'll be singled out. <laughs> While I'm not one to encourage self-doubt, Danny is correct that he is wrong. The last North American Discworld convention was held in 2019 in Los Angeles with the very location-appropriate theme, Hooray for Hollywood! It seems to have been a great success, and you can find photos on their Twitter account, which we'll link to in the episode notes. Was the Australian Discworld convention your first one, or did you go to one of the UK ones? Australia was my first in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew some of the people involved. Uh, I'd met Pat and, for example, Daniel Knight in the early 2000s. But yeah, I didn't get to a UK one till 2010 and then again in 2014, but they're the only two international ones I've been to. Mm. I'd like to go to the Irish convention one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. They seem to have a lot of great stuff going on there. In fact, well, I mean, all the conventions do. And when we're talking about these conventions, we're talking about it's kind of an old school fan convention rather than the sort of more modern style pop culture expo where you have, it's mostly, you know, stalls for vendors and then a whole bunch of big name guests and you pay a fairly small ticket price because the, uh, the vendors are paying a lot to be there and it's run by a lot of volunteers, but there's still a, a profit making company behind them. But that's not the kind of convention we're talking about here at all, is it? No, you've got it exactly right. We are entirely volunteer run by fans, for fans. Every single member of the committee is a volunteer. None of us get paid. We all pay for our own tickets to attend Mm -hmm. in addition to pretty much everybody else. There's only a handful of people, mostly the special guests that get their tickets for free. And we try and make it friendly. And if we have dealers, there's probably like four or six at most and they might sell things like books or small bits of craft. We're not going to have major things, mainly because it's really difficult and Discworld fans would love, say, the Discworld Emporium or Discworld.com there, but those guys are in England and unless they are actually coming over to be guests anyway, we're not likely to see them or have their merchandise to sell. We try and keep things very cosy and familiar. The events run most of the day all through late to night. It's all just to be about getting together with the other fans, having fun, making new friends, meeting the old ones, and not worrying too much about, oh my God, here's a celebrity. Yeah. If we do have some guests and they are celebrities, such as, oh, I don't know, Ben and Elizabeth from Pratchett, <laughs> then that's great. But they're also there not only to be special guests on stage doing panels, but hanging around in the bar, having a drink with everybody uh, and chatting to the fans just as normal. That's the sort of people we like to have as guests. 
And even the big names like Terry himself, Rob Wilkins, uh, Stephen Briggs, they're very much like that when they're attending the conventions. Yeah. I mean, well, Terry went to a lot of those sort of science fiction fan conventions back when he was starting out as a writer, like right from when he was in high school. And we're talking, you know, really old school science fiction conventions where a lot of the guests were science fiction authors and a lot of the just attendees who were just there to see the convention were also science fiction authors or would be quite soon. Yeah, there's some very good stuff in A Life with Footnotes about Terry's attendance at the World Cons or the local Easter Cons in the 1960s. So, yeah, yeah. definitely have a read of the biography, all you listeners out there, yeah. and you'll uh, find out about Terry's fan convention starts. It feels like such a delightfully old school world. And I remember when I went to uh, the last Australian Discord convention in Melbourne in 2019, it's the first convention I'd been to in a while. I've been to, I've been to quite a lot in my time, particularly sort of in the late 90s and early 2000s. But it really reminded me about all the things that I love about those conventions, which is it really is just people talking about stuff and doing fun activities about the thing that they're passionate about. So you're the vice chair of the committee um, running the convention. You are already hard at work. Like the convention is not until next year, but you've already been working for how, when did you start planning this convention? These sort of things take about two years worth of planning. We thought about, are we going to actually volunteer to run it? Probably late 2021 when at that point, uh, the Nullus Anxiety 7A, the eighth one, mm. was supposed to be held in April 2022. It had already been pushed back from July 2021 for obvious reasons. Mm. And prior to it being fully cancelled, we were still discussing whether or not we would halt the next con in Adelaide. It was basically our turn. Mm. Um, so far, the conventions in Australia, they started in Melbourne and 2007-2009 were both in Melbourne. 2011, uh, Sydney put their hands up and said, we'd like to do one. Hmm. Adelaide kind of got forced into doing a trial one in 2012, which was a mini convention. We called it the Unseen University Convivium. It did not have the Nullus Anxitis name, which all the others have had. Mm -hmm. 2013 was back in Melbourne, 2015 back in Sydney. And then by 2017, we thought, yes, Adelaide is ready. We can hold a full convention, which I was chair of. And that went really well. And so then back into Melbourne in 2019, Sydney was going to do 2021, which got pushed back to 2022, mm. which also got cancelled. And we decided we would pick up the ball and roll and move forward into 2024. And so we're hoping that by July next year, where things are in terms of COVID in the community would be a lot better than where it currently is. Mm. We kind of started actual work and pulling the committee together probably early 2022 to replace the cancelled conventions. The Sydney team held the Lost Con as a virtual event mm. in July 2021 to replace what was the original dates of the planned Nullus Anxiety 7A. We had a Hogswatch event at the end of 2021 as well, half a day's worth of live Zoom call that everyone could join. So we thought, let's do one final virtual event as a launch for the 2024 con. So we did that in uh, June 2022. We had the virtual Discworld Fun Day that anyone could attend. Mm. And as part of that, we did our initial promo video. So by that point, by June 2022, we had decided on the theme of Ubervold, Come Alive in Ubervold. 
And we knew it would be in 2024. That was it. We had no venue. We had no dates. We were still looking into that. Mm. And that's a huge part of the process, right? Because we should talk about what people can expect if they go to one of these conventions. Because I think a lot of our listeners probably have never been to one. But you have to have somewhere to put it. And the truth is the only place that can really support the way a fan convention works is a convention venue because you need a lot of rooms for concurrent programming to be going on. Ideally, you want it to be attached to a hotel so out-of-towners have somewhere to stay at the convention. And unfortunately, that's expensive because those places are designed for big companies to be paying to use them, right? Yes. Um, I would say that the cost of the venue is at least half, if not two-thirds, of the actual full budget for the convention, Mm. Uh, which also probably goes some way to explaining why currently adult ticket is $210. It will be going up to $250 next January. Yeah, so get in in now. The early bird sale sale runs until the end of January next year. Mm. All of that ticket price, a lot of it will go to paying for the venue, um, and obviously things like lighting and sound and uh, projectors at stage because we have to hire that from the venue. They don't allow you to bring in your own stuff. Then the rest goes towards paying for everything else. <laughs> so, But everybody gets to take home uh, a bag full of uh, a convention book and a badge and lots of little goodies. There'll be stickers and badges and hopefully yeah. a die for everybody where talking about doing that again. We did that last time. That was great. I've still got my quite shiny eight-sided dice, except it has yeah. a 7A instead of the eight. I love it. Yeah, that was that was the Melbourne crew. We did, just did a D6 in 2017, and we'll probably do D6s again because they're cheaper. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the Melbourne one in 2019 was metal. They went all out for that. It was oh, great. Yeah, though, but they were not given away. You had to purchase those. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so the venue, we've investigated many hotels around Adelaide and it took us several months and talking to lots of different function coordinators and have decided on the Grand Chancellor Hotel in Hindley Street as our venue because it was a a compromise between location, cost and suitability of the rooms that they had available. Mm. But that's right, right in the middle of Adelaide. That's a good spot. It's right. And even though the convention is held at that particular hotel, if you think it's out of your price range, there are many other accommodation options nearby. Mm. You can stay at a backpackers, which is a couple of blocks away, or if you think that the hotel itself is a little down market, there's five-star hotels just around the corner as well. <laughs> it's a, I think That's it's a three-star hotel. You can get real fancy in Adelaide if you want to. I've been there many times for the festival. Let's, let's imagine someone who's never been to a fan convention like this before. If they're going to come along, what are they going to see? What are they going to do over the week? And it is a, it's a full weekend usually plus a Friday evening. Is that right? Friday, most of the day, Friday afternoon. We start mm-hmm. around about midday on the Friday. That's when the official program starts. We'll have a opening ceremony Friday evening, all day Saturday, usually from 9 or 10 a.m. through to midnight, and Sunday, 9 or 10 a.m. through to about 6 p.m., and then we'll wrap up. And then even though the official events are over, we'd still encourage people to hang around on the Sunday night because it's a good chance to just sit down, relax, and chat to people. Generally speaking, the committee, having been on the committee for many years now, Sunday night's the first time I usually get to catch up with people I haven't seen in two years. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. You are not free to do anything the rest of the time. <laughs> conventions like the Discworld conventions, uh, and these are pretty much the same the world over as far as I'm aware, we just have a lot of activities and interviews and panels and discussions and workshops 
that we think are of interest to fans of Terry Pratchett. There are obviously a lot of in-jokes, but generally it's for people who've read the books. So if you've only read five Discworld books, you'll still have a good time. If you've only read one, you'll probably go, what are these people referring to? But that doesn't really matter. (laughs) We tend to try and just have a lot of things to keep people entertained for three full days. And it's trying to be a warm and welcoming atmosphere where if you want to participate in something, that's great. If you just want to be in the audience, that's also great. And if you want to just sit in the corridor and chat to somebody that you happen to meet because you like their t-shirt, that's fine too. Yeah. There's usually three to five different things happening at once. So you're never going to get to anything unless you happen to be a history monk. Um, <laughs> but that's why we would give you the timetable ahead of time. Usually the final timetable will be published maybe a week or so before the convention. Although given the state of things, last minute changes are always going to happen. Yeah. But I know how much time and planning and thinking goes into those timetables because you're really trying to get all of the things that you want to happen scheduled in such a way that hopefully it won't be the case that everyone looks at it and goes, oh, but I want to go to these five things and they're all on at the same time. And so you try and spread them out. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that takes a lot of effort and time, especially because you have to talk to the people who are running the individual events and taking their wants in as well, because if they don't want their event running against something that they want to attend as an audience member. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, a lot of work goes into making that thing. Yeah. Still, the, the sort of activities that we tend to have panels. Uh, so if somebody wants to get up on stage with a couple of other people and talk about what it's like to act in a Discworld play or potentially what are the feminist and genderqueer themes in Terry's work and stuff like that. So anyone who's willing to run a panel like that, please let us know and we'll find room for you on the schedule. Or they could just be a how good is good omens sort of discussion where people can talk about their love for the book, the TV show, the upcoming graphic novel, whatever they like. We do not mind. The topic can be about anything. We've had people talking about scientific things. We've had a a beekeeper come in and tell us about beekeeping. We've had geologists talking about rocks and how they relate to the Discworld troll names. Anything goes when it comes to panels and discussions. Quite often, we'll also get our special guests along to participate in those where it meets with that person's general thing. So talking of special guests, in the past, obviously, the primary special guest that everyone would have wanted to have is Terry. Terry Pratchett did manage to make it along twice to an Australian Discord convention. He came in 2007 to the first one and in 2011 to Nullis 3. But apart from that, we definitely had Skype calls with him on every other con, even when, you know. He wasn't doing so well, yeah. Yes, so all of the others, he was always available for at least an hour just to have chats with everybody and reveal information about the next book. Mm. Rob Wilkins came over in 2015 by himself, and that was only a month after Terry had passed away. Uh, He came with his family, which was part of an Australian holiday for them, but they still wanted to make it to the convention. Stephen Briggs has been along a couple of times, We suspect going forward, especially for next year, the likelihood of getting any international guests is very, very small. Mm. I mean, we're going to invite some of them, but we suspect we're not going to have them. So we've been starting to lean towards getting guests from within the fan community in Australia. So, for example, as I mentioned, Ben and Elizabeth will be invited along and various others that have 
been at our previous conventions. Um, for example, um, if you are watching the TV show Blow Up at the moment, one of its competitors is Matt Falloon, who has been to many of the previous Australian Discworld conventions. He is a wonder at creating balloon things, and we are hoping that he will also be available to come along as a guest next year. Can make some balloon turtles and elephants. Oh, and <laughs> fegals and death and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that sounds super cool. If you cool. have a look at some of the galleries from previous conventions, you'll see a lot of Matt's creations. The guests themselves will either have interviews with them or get them to run panels or record a special podcast. Hint, hint. Run workshops. And we also tend to have what we call clatches. And this is a term taken from the UK conventions a clatch, obviously, in Discworld is the hot, dry desert country that features heavily in Jingo. But the term itself is from the German slash Yiddish word Kaffeeklatsch, which is like a coffee meeting. So a clatch at a Discworld convention is a small, intimate chat where we get some of the special guests to talk to maybe 10 people for an hour about whatever they want. Other things we do, we try and do some form of performances. So uh, a play or a radio play, for example, or various skits. Uh, one of our major events is the Masquerade, which is a competition for both talent and costuming. And we've also added in a prop category in recent years. So if you've created a fantastic Discworld prop, you can enter that. For people who are enthusiastic, doesn't necessarily mean you have to be professional or good about creating costumes or singing a song or doing a little skit, then please enter the masquerade. There'll be prizes for the winners. We tend to have a gala dinner on the Saturday night, which is just a good excuse for people to dress up in the fanciest costume or their finest cocktail dresses and evening wear, have a lovely dinner uh, catered by the hotel and dance the night away. And for those that do not think they can afford to come to the gala dinner because, after all, it is an extra cost. There will be alternate events happening at the same time. Sunday morning, we tend to have the charity auction, so lots of memorabilia gets auctioned off and the proceeds will go to two different charities, which for next year we have not selected yet, but generally they are obviously related to causes close to Terry's heart. Mm. Um, in past, we've donated to Dementia Australia, to Literacy Foundations, to the Orangutan Foundation, mm. various something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, we will investigate and find charities in due course that we think are worthy. That's a lot of things. It's a lot of fun, though, I think, is the thing that I want to stress is that you get to go along and just sit and listen to some interesting nerds talk about the thing that you're also nerdy about. Like, I, it's it's heaven. <laughs> it's, it's the best. I love it. And, I mean, you know, obviously, I'm a performer and a talker. I make this show, so I like being the one talking. But it is the kind of place where there's always room for Q&A and you do get to talk to uh, the people in the audience and they get to ask you questions. And the clatches are so great. I did one or two of them um, at the Melbourne Con in 2019 and it was just really nice to meet people, although it was weird because we'd only been doing the podcast for a couple of years at that stage. I think a lot of the people at the convention didn't know who we were. <laughs> Um, and then the people who did know who we were only realized it when we opened our mouths and spoke because they didn't know what we yeah. looked like. I cheated and found a photo of you on the website prior to you attending so that when you rocked up at registration, I went, Ben, it's you. <laughs> I know who you are. Yes, yes. Well, 
that you were well prepared. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was great. I had such a good time. And I'm hoping, you know, that we can make it in 2024. For those that are possibly a little introverted and do not necessarily want to be asking the questions out loud or getting up on stage at any point, you don't have to. That's perfectly fine. If you just want to sit in the audience for every single thing you attend, that's fine. But if you want to be a participant and you would like to get up on stage, there are opportunities to do that too. Some of the sessions will be just games. So obviously the popular social deduction game Werewolf is often run at conventions. <laughs> I learned it at a Discworld convention. Very appropriate to the theme for this next one as oh, well. Yeah. There will be a couple of scheduled sessions so that those that don't know how to play can learn. Otherwise, they might just spring up spontaneously when someone says, hey, who wants to play a werewolf? We have a modified version of Celebrity Head called What Duck, where you have to guess what Discworld character you are. Um, and that's an audience participation one, not only in the yelling out yes or no when people ask the questions about what name is above their head, mm -hmm. but if you want to actually be one of the people who has to guess, you're welcome to volunteer at the time. <laughs> We're likely to have several crafting workshops where you can either learn as a complete novice how to do cross-stitch or chainmail or various bits of sewing and stuff. Or if you're a, you know something, they might be in advanced classes or they might just be a session where you can get together and work on stuff with people who can give you some guidance and advice. We tend to be very crafty people. For those that are interested, and if you are a crafty person, the Nullus Anxietis Artifices group on Facebook is a great place to just go along and share whatever you've been making lately. Hmm. And that can even be as simple as, here's a jigsaw I completed, all the way up to, here's an amazing costume that I've just finished. Yeah, it runs the gamut. Well, there's so many great things that are going to happen at the convention. And look, we'll probably revisit when it's close to the date and we know a bit more about who's going to be there and what's going to be happening. Yeah. But if people want to get involved now, what is the best way for them to do that? And, and how do they get involved at this early stage? At this point, all of the information that is currently available uh, is up on our website, which is ausdwcon.org. So, ausdwcon. If you want to fork over a little bit of money, that would be really appreciated. We have supporting memberships for $50 or fully attending memberships available as well. And a supporting membership, just to make that clear to the listeners, if you're not aware, that's where you buy a membership to the convention. You'll probably get a few things in the mail, but it means that you're not coming, but you want to support the whole thing happening. Yeah. And supporting memberships can be upgraded to attending memberships later. And if you buy one now, you will retain the early bird price, even if you don't upgrade until after the early bird sales over. We will, at a later stage, be selling things like gala dinner tickets and merchandise, but that's not ready yet. Mm -hmm. Primarily what you want to do if you're interested in maybe thinking about coming to the convention next year, head to our website and sign up to the newsletter. We will tend to send out a thing about once a month with the latest news, um, but that's the easiest way to get the updates. If you want to be part of the community, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group, links on the website, Instagram, we're also post to... There's also a volunteer page. So if you would like to volunteer, and this can be as simple as I'm happy to get a coffee for a committee member when needed, all the way up to I would like to run the charity auction, please let us know. There are still a few committee positions that we haven't filled yet. We'll be trying to find people for them over the next few months. We are always in need of volunteers for as little or as much as you are prepared to give. All you need to do is go to our website, 
ausdwcon.org and find the volunteer form. Just fill that in and someone will get back to you fairly soon and we'll love to have you on board because the convention runs on volunteers. If we don't have the volunteers, then there won't be nearly as much happening. It's true. And it is, look, it's a, it's a great experience helping to run a convention. Even if you only do a little bit, it's just such a great community and a thing to be part of. Uh, just, just spreading some joy for fellow nerds and fans. Like it's, it's the best. I will also say that the Oz Discworld convention has such a great FAQ and a bunch of information for people who've never been to a con before. So if you head to the website, mm-hmm. that's ozdwcon.org, then you can find those pages as well. Yeah. We have a FAQ and a newcomer's guide, both of which have been refreshed a couple of months ago. Yeah. Well, look, Danny, thank you so much for coming on at late notice to give us a bit of a lowdown on the Australian Discworld convention and conventions of this sort in general. I'm certainly hoping that I can make it and Liz can make it next year. We would love to have you. Yeah. Oh, look, we, we got plans. We had plans for Sydney and, you know, they didn't work out, but we did some other great online stuff. And Danny, we'll have to get you back on at some point to talk about the amazing online escape room that you made that was Discworld themed that was quite a hit, as I understand it. Yeah. I'm, it's, if anyone is interested in that, uh, you can find the one that I ran on our website. You can download the script and run it for your friends. And there's a link to the video where we uh, ran it as part of the Virtual Discworld Fun Day. Yeah. And that sounded awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Danny. And uh, all the best with the organising, and hopefully we'll see you in 2024. Thanks very much, Ben. And thanks again to Danny, and thanks also past Ben, who recorded that and asked some questions. Uh, I did a lot of listening. Good work. Good work, past Ben. (laughs) Oh, dear. Look, I just want to finish off this episode with a couple of listener questions. I didn't do a proper shout out because I really just did not have time to organize much. But I did say on our Discord for subscribers, did anyone have any ideas? Graham wanted to know about Tiffany Aking's Guide to Being a Witch. I kind of already covered that in the news section. Sven threw a few questions in because, of course, it's not really an episode of Pratt Chat without a question from Sven now, is it? So thank you, Sven. You're very helpful. You were indeed very helpful. Uh, quick answer to your questions. Favorite artwork on the covers. Ooh, don't make me choose. There's something about the going postal cover. I know it's kind of a rehash of the sort of Star Wars pose, but I do really like that. I do really like some of the weird ones. There's some, there's some weird American editions. And I mean, where's my cow's got a great art. I do really like the collector's library edition of Thud, which is just sort of the very stylized image of the Thud board. Yeah, I kind of like that. You also asked Sven, maybe I could do a behind the scenes of how the podcast is made. I look, I would be happy to talk about that if people want me to. I could do that in another episode. It would probably take a little while. But also, I don't know how compelling it would be because it's fairly straightforward <laughs> and boring because the thing is that it's just I mean, look, I do so much podcast production now uh because I'm doing it as a job. I'm actually editing two other podcasts. Shout out to what would Danbury do? A great Bridgerton podcast run by two romance writers who have guest hosts on at the moment. That's great. I've been editing that for a while now. And also a shout out to Caring Into the Void, a show where the hosts Brock and Alasdair share weird, dark, disturbing stories from real life or fiction and then turn them into something positive. So I've been editing those and I spend so much of my time editing podcasts. I don't know if I want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, but if you would like to hear me talk about podcasting, 
then let me know. Maybe that's something I can do as a little bonus episode on its own. And before I get to the end, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you if you are a subscriber. Your support means that not only can we make the show without having to put ads in it, and yes, I know it may seem hard to believe, but this was not a paid advertisement for the Australian Discworld Convention. We just think they're really great. But because of your support, we don't have to put ads in the show. We can make it completely independently, and I can afford to spend time making a bonus episode like this when our schedule is interrupted by an act of God, which <laughs> uh, I just look shout out to Blugnu. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right on Mastodon for suggesting that's what we should call it when this happens to our schedule. <laughs> that really tickled me. I think that's entirely appropriate. Um, so when there is an act of God, I can do something to make sure you still get an episode on the eighth of the month uh, because it's important to me. Probably sometimes, if I'm honest, too important, but. This month, here you go. Got some Pratt Chat news, got an interview with a convention organizer, and you got some stupid answers to questions <laughs> from silly old me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and just as a quick reminder, our next episode will be Pratt Chat 68. That's the hashtag. Um, if you want to join the conversation, look, we've already got, we actually have got quite a few questions. I didn't think we'd get that many. We could maybe fit one or two more in if you get in quick. Uh, so if you have read the book and you've got some questions, chuck them our way. Uh, but that should come out on the 25th of June. And then our next major episode, big episode, will be our episode about The Long Utopia. That's the fourth book in the Long Earth series. Uh, I'm about, I think, about a third of the way through it now. That's going to be with Dianne Sheldon Collins, who came and read The Long War with us back in the day. In an episode we titled The Helen Green Preservation Society. I'm already reading the book. I don't want to say too much. Anyway, that is uh, Pratchett69 is the hashtag. If you've got questions about the long utopia, please send them in. Look, that's it, really. That's all. I'm going to stop. I can't believe I've been talking this long. I thought this was going to be a short episode. What have I done to myself? Anyway, until next time, remember, it's joy and enthusiasm that makes the nerds go round. You've been listening to Pratchat, the monthly Terry Pratchett book club podcast with Pratchatter Ben McKenzie. That's me. And guest, Danny Sag. Pratchat is produced and edited by me with music by David Ashton. We're on Twitter, Mastodon, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can listen to past episodes and support the production of new ones via pratchatpodcast.com. Join the conversation for this episode using the hashtag PratchatElsewhere. Pratt Chat is brought to you by Splendid Chaps Productions. We make entertainment for your ears, like the Doctor Who podcast Splendid Chaps and time travel comedy series Night Terrace. To find out more, visit SplendidChaps.com.